Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bare Roots. Today is a fun episode because we are talking about Area 51. And I feel like for the most part, everybody knows what Area 51 is. But do you know the history? Like, how did it get to be this controversial extraterrestrial mysterious place and today we are going to talk about it so Shannon how are you feeling about today's episode I'm feeling good we are embarking on one of the larger projects for Bear Roots we are going to go into Area 51 its history like Alina just said but then in subsequent episodes we will be talking about specific alien encounters allegedly So this is just kind of like the starter of the alien episodes. And I don't know if we're going to do them. We're not going to do them necessarily back to back, but Mm -hmm. we'll just throw in an alien episode every now and again. Exactly. Yeah. This will be the start of something new. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And I mean, there's so much to talk about in the whole alien world, the story. So I think it's going to be best for everyone involved that we're going to break it up and we'll discuss what's happening, what people are talking about and what this all means. Right. And I, prior to just, you know, uh, 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago, I looked up Area 51 on Google Maps because I believe as of 2018, you're able to do that now. There is an aerial photo. Whether you trust what it's showing is a different matter. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, the terrain is bleak out there. I was looking around and the towns, quote unquote towns of like 50 people are, it's bleak. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really the most desirable spot to be in. No, and I was trying to trace the roads that lead from Area 51 to, I was like, where's the closest town, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I tried following three of them and they all kind of just disappeared. Like I lost it in the desert dirt. Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah, (laughs) but one of them I did find. And at the end of that road was apparently, or is apparently, the black mailbox, which is Ooh. is a tourist attraction that's literally just a black mailbox that people drive by and they put things for aliens in. Ooh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so there's something like 290 Google reviews on the place. And I'm going to tell you, all the photos that were shown, it looked like a pile of trash in the mailbox. <laughs> literally was garbage in the mailbox but it got good reviews got good reviews Uh uh to see some trash yeah it's for those (laughs) uh ufo buffs you know if you're out there Mm -hmm. you can't obviously go to area 51 but that's about as close as you can go and i think they said it's 12 miles from the actual base so that's about as close as you can get in there and uh yeah it's a big side trip to just to see a black mailbox but to each (laughs) their own Exactly. And yeah, I guess it's somewhat doable. I think as time has passed, a lot more information is coming out about Area 51. Do you remember that time, maybe two years ago, people were going to raid Area 51 or something? Oh, do I? I also read about that about a half an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) This is pop culture, people. Yeah. So 
2019, Joe Rogan had Robert Lazar on his podcast, which we will be talking about. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Which I should have listened to prior to recording this episode. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that it existed until half an hour ago. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, wow, that's such great information. Okay, guys, after listening to ours full time, <laughs> check out their podcast. <laughs> so he had him on and then they, some high school or college kid, I think he was college kid, listened to the episode as did many, many, many people, of course. Mm-hmm. And he created a Facebook page that said, Let's raid Area 51. They can't stop all of us. That was like the title of the event. <laughs> and it got over a million, yes, RSVPs. <laughs> and so the FBI paid that kid a visit at his home. <laughs> <laughs> and he eventually, he changed it to be just like a, kind of like a burning man. Mm-hmm. And he partnered with one of the local inns like one of the local it's the only local in <laughs> at one of the closest towns and this is one of those towns that literally has 50 people so they partnered with that they're going to do that but then it turned out that you know like everybody was just concerned about it being like a public health crisis like there's not enough supplies in this little town to you know handle thousands and thousands of people so right. he eventually the kid backed out because he didn't want to be a part of quote fire festival 2.0 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which yeah we all know so, how that went mm-hmm. <laughs> so a rival festival cropped up in the next closest town And then they even switched, they made an event, it was sponsored by some company, they made an event in Las Vegas. Mm. And apparently that was kind of a drag. A few hundred people went to that, but it was kind of like a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then at the original place, I didn't get a full number of how many people showed up, but it wasn't a million, it wasn't 30,000, but it was a decent turnout. Okay. Okay. And I felt bad for the inn owner because she had apparently, she didn't want to, like, so the kid backed out, but yeah. she stayed in because she's like, I, she put in thousands of dollars in preparation for this event. Wow. And the poor woman, I felt so bad for her. Mm. But, um, I think she got her money back. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Dang. Yeah. So that's what happened. And they even, this was written in 2019 as well. And they mm-hmm. said, we'll be ready for next year, which didn't happen Um, (laughs) but maybe it'll become a thing (laughs) maybe we'll see only time will tell I wonder yeah it's kind of hard because I feel like the momentum was there but then COVID happened and yeah I think everybody else is trying to like get back to normal before you know attacking area 40 or 51 right right right. yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a wild time to be alive it really was. <laughs> Different problems, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The simplicity. <laughs> <laughs> um, alrighty. Shall we dive into on the record about Area 51? Let's do it. Let's do it. So on November 26th of 1954, a guy named Alan Dulles um, was the director of the CIA. And he had an assistant, a special assistant, and his name was Richard Bissell. And he was to lead a, quote, a very secret program. And that very secret program was nicknamed Aquatone. And what did Aquatone represent? Essentially, Area 51. 
So if we think about the timeline and it's in the mid fifties, this is the beginning of the cold war. The space industry is definitely ramping up with the Soviet union. So the goal was to build a high altitude reconnaissance aircraft that could fly over the Soviet Union undetected. So literally higher than an airplane. And I think airplanes go around 3,000 feet. No, I don't know. They go very high. They go higher than that. Yeah. But but we want to go higher. So <laughs> that was the job of Project Aquatone, right? I mean, project program. So this plane would essentially fly higher than any other plane. And it's name for this whole aircraft was called U-2. And once they were built, they needed to test the aircraft without being discovered. So on April 12th, 1955, which if you know, you know, April is the month <laughs> for sketchy things. Um, Bissell, so that assistant from the CIA director, um, Colonel Osmond Ritland, who was an Air Force officer, Clarence, nicknamed Kelly Johnson, um, he was Lockheed Skunk Works, and Tony LeBier, again, he was Lockheed's uh, test pilot. Surveyed the company, Lockheed is the company that made the plane. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And so Mm -hmm. they surveyed options in Nevada, which, you know, if you look at the map, it's, there's a lot of land out there, not a lot of people, desert, so... They're looking exactly (laughs) so they decided to do it on Gruna Lake, which is essentially a dry lake bed. And when you look at its map location, it's actually in area 51. They numbered because the area used to be where they tested nuclear bombs, and apparently, they numbered all the chunks of land. And Mm -hmm. this one happened to be area 51. So, in area 51, it is illegal to fly over it and the public is definitely kept away with warning signs electronic fences and armed guards so this is not a place that you want to be going through slash they would even allow you to contemplate that idea and so the facility is next to two other restricted military areas the nevada test site where u.s nuclear weapons were tested from the 50s to the 90s and the nevada test and training range so To give you kind of an idea, this entire range covers more than 2.9 million acres of land. And according to the U.S. military, it represents, quote, a flexible, realistic and multidimensional battle space to conduct testing, tactics, development and advanced training. So that's what it is, a training site. Exactly. Which I guess if you're going to do anything like that's a you know, you probably want some open land, you know, away from other people. So I guess it makes sense. Although it opened in 1955, it wasn't officially acknowledged by the CIA until 2013, which is wild. And Barack Obama was actually the first president to mention Area 51 publicly. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Which is I'm trying to think, like, when did I learn about Area 51? Like, I wish I could go back in time just to have that answer. But it's like one of those things like, oh, as I got older, I found out about it. But was it just timing wise? That's how I found out about it. I don't know. No, you, you definitely knew it before 2013. We definitely yeah. knew before then. Like it was a thing like people were talking about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And people are, I'm sure, talking about, I feel like I read somewhere too, just the health effects from all the 
nuclear testing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's like another another episode. So, of course, this is where they're, you know, working on their aircrafts, is where they're doing all their, like, undercover secret stuff. And the U-2 aircraft wasn't the only thing that captured people's interest. This top-secret government base has been linked to extraterrestrial life. That's right, people. We're talking aliens. (laughs) So, allegedly, the U.S. was analyzing these spaceships came down over nearby or they brought them in in order to reverse engineer alien technology. The reason why we kind of have an idea or speculation, I should really say, about these alien life is that on May 12th, 1989, a reporter, his name was George Knapp, interviewed a man named Dennis. And this was his like code name, if you will. And Dennis apparently worked near Area 51. And he was the first person to kind of openly talk about what he was seeing down at Area 51, because again, nobody had any idea what was going on. And he was saying that there were flying saucers and that there were a bunch of tests that were happening in the um, Area 51. And he was also commenting on technology that they discovered that he believed did not exist at all. And that it wasn't something that the government could create. And this was something that he was threatened to not speak about. So like all of these clues that led to outside life that they were working on over there. And later on, Dennis later came out with his real name. And his name is Robert Lazar, who was a senior staff physicist. And that, long story short, not really, but Shannon was talking about on the podcast so this guy was on there so he was kind of the is the term whistleblower appropriate maybe maybe yeah i guess he was the first one to kind of like chat about it so one more information yes you can listen to that he also has a book on it quite interesting stuff so we won't go into the nitty gritty details but we'll talk about something that he believed that he saw But before we do, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors. And we're back. So Shannon, take it away. What are people saying about this? So are aliens real? Robert Lazar would want you to say yes. Lazar said that his job was to help with the reverse engineering of one of nine flying saucers, which he said that they had extraterrestrial or in, they were extraterrestrial in origin. And he said that one in particular was manufactured out of a metal substance similar in appearance and touch to stainless steel. Lazar claimed that the propulsion of the vehicle ran on an antimatter reactor and was fueled by a chemical element with the atomic number 115. So this element is really, really, really new. It's now called Moscovium after Moscow because Russians kind of discovered it. I was reading it, either the Russian discovered it or the Russians discovered it with Americans. It's hard to tell. You know, we always want to get our name in there as well. Right, right. But it's named after Moscow. And... 
he said their flying saucer relied heavily on a stable isotope of this element, which allegedly generates a gravity wave that allows the vehicle to fly and to evade visual detection by bending light around it. Fancy stuff. However, no stable isotopes of Moscovium have yet to be synthesized, and they've all proven to be extremely radioactive, decaying in a few hundred milliseconds. So they it's man-made, like this element is not occurring naturally in nature, and they have to put two, I forget which two element, elements they have to put together. It's like Americanium and something else put those two together and it makes this element, but literally it only lives for a couple milliseconds before it turns into something else because it's so unstable. Yeah, super reactive, right? So yeah, we don't, we have no grasp on it and Mm -hmm. there's not anything that we don't have a lot of information on it. And Mm -hmm. what's crazy is that this is so new that even we in high school would not have had this on our periodic tables. Wow, that's so weird. We're so old. So old. (laughs) (laughs) So Lazar additionally claimed that during, like while he was joining the program, he read briefing documents describing the historical involvement of Earth for the past 10,000 years with extraterrestrial beings. So we have like this whole history of the Earth Mm -hmm. and where aliens have come in. Am I hearing the Great Pyramids? I am. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. Basically, ancient aliens, everyone. (laughs) So the aliens are described as gray from a planet orbiting the twin binary star system Zeta Reticuli. Reticuli. (laughs) (laughs) And as of September 2019, no extrasolar planets have been found in this Zeta Recticuli system. So it's kind of unfounded or allegedly we can't find information to back up Lazar's claim on where these aliens are coming from. Mm-hmm. In 1989, he said the seats of the saucer, the one that he was researching, were approximately child size and that he had seen alien cadavers of a corresponding size. So small aliens small gray aliens wow he also said that while walking down a hallway at the facility he briefly glanced through a door window and saw what he interpreted as two men in lab coats facing down and talking to something small with long arms (laughs) i'm picturing did you ever watch independence day with will smith um i think i did maybe not uh, you know what no okay was that the one with the dog there is a dog are you thinking i am legend or is that like the end of the world it, maybe that's what i'm thinking you might be thinking i am legend yeah i think i you're right you're right <laughs> but there is a dog i don't i don't know if this dog dies um but okay. this is a this is a younger will smith um okay. and well anyway there's a scene where he's in with the aliens and there are lab coats and the alien kills somebody And that's what I visioned when I heard this description. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he's saying back in 1989, hey, they're child size aliens. But 30 years later, he said that he did not think he saw an alien, but he saw a doll used as reference for the size of the alleged aliens. 
and that a nickname was used for them as, quote, the kids. Mm. Spooky. Lazar claims to have earned a master's degree in physics from MIT and a master's degree in electronic technology from Caltech. However, there are no records of Lazar attending either of these schools. That is so weird. How can you... How can you claim to go to these schools and then get that far in your career? <laughs> That's what well, I know. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> his supposed employment at the Air Force Base, thats it wasn't Area 51, but it was very close to Area 51, that has also been discredited by skeptics as well as the United States Air Force. So they're all saying he didn't work here. And his alleged employment as a physicist at the Los Alamos Mason Physics Facility is mentioned multiple in multiple New Mexico newspaper articles in the summer of 1982. So that's good. We mm. got some data from back then. And you are able to find a Robert Lazar in 1982 from the Los Alamos National Laboratory phone directory. But the laboratory repeatedly denied having any records on, of him. Hmm. so lazar alleges that all his records have been erased to basically make him look less credible yes Hmm. interesting he never went here he never went to school here he never worked here that is the story what do you believe we must go into it more so in recent years, there has been a resurgence of UFO interest. Now they're called UAPs, which are un- unidentified aerial phenomena. And three videos in particular have sparked the resurgence of interest. These three videos became unclassified in 2017, and the government's whole kind of like mentality on UFOs has changed recently. They now tell their pilot because typically the UFOs are spotted by pilots and before they kind of would keep them hush hush like we don't need to talk about this. But now the government stance has been to if you see something, come to us and tell us about it. And they encourage the pilots to report on what they've seen. And one video in particular was taken in November of 2004, about 100 miles off the coast of San Diego. And Commander David Fravor and the pilot on his wing, Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich, reported seeing what Fravor called a, to quote, white tic-tac-looking object, the size of a FA-18 with no wings, markings, or exhaust plumes. So literally a giant tic-tac. When they approached it, it turned abruptly and started mimicking them. So it was facing one way, and then when they got closer, it moved and started facing, like, the same way they were. Mm-hmm. Then it simply disappeared. It was there one second, gone the next. And a few seconds later, a few seconds later, it was found 60 miles away before flying off again. Whoa. So some people, I, apparently, I mean, it hasn't, they haven't found the craft and it hasn't been verified that that's the exact same UFO that they saw, the same one that was seen 60 miles away. But the people that saw mm-hmm. that that saw the Tic Tac 
and then they saw the video of the other TikTok, they think it's the same thing. So maybe it is. I don't know. How did it get there? Oh, maybe it's not. Uh, mm-hmm. Wild. Then the speed is just insane. That is all true. Yes. And it had no wings. Like, what are you doing? How are you flying? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. What is the sorcery? <laughs> what is the sorcery? <laughs> <laughs> when Area 51 was created, more UFO sightings were being reported. And so people obviously jumped to the conclusion of aliens. And the other kind of explanation that could be it is that maybe it's it was just the U-2 aircraft. And basically that's what the CIA is saying. It's like, that wasn't a UFO. It was a U-2 aircraft. Like what we talked about earlier in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And they would coincide because that's when the Air Force had begun testing the U-2 aircraft was right at the same time that these sightings were reported. And at the time, normal airliners were flying in the 10,000 to 20,000 feet range. The military aircraft topped out about 40,000, but the U-2 aircraft can fly higher than 60,000. So if a pilot spotted a tiny speck that was the U-2 high above, they would have no idea what it was. And they would let air traffic control know that someone was out there, which, again, this just increased the sightings of UFOs in the areas. And while the Air Force officials, like the higher ups, knew that it was just the U-2 test, they couldn't really tell the public about that because it was a secret, you know, the Mm U-2s. planes were secret. So they explained the aircraft sightings by saying they were natural phenomena or high altitude weather research. And basically what they're saying is, you know, it didn't just end with the U-2 planes. We continued working on different espionage aircrafts and reconnaissance and different models, different models, different models. Mm -hmm. And now we're like well into drone times. And that's what that's why there's more UFO sightings around Area 51. That's the explanation, I guess, kind of on the record, kind of hmm. to go against the alien thing. How do you feel about that, Olivia? Yeah, I guess the question is, like, where's your tinfoil hat on aliens versus U-2 aircraft? I think when it comes to the U-2 aircraft, like, it, could it be, you know, responsible for the several UFO sightings? I actually do believe it. I think my tinfoil hat is in, I think it's fair to say on my head, actually, that it could genuinely be the program and they couldn't want to talk about it because it was secret projects. So they couldn't be like, oh, yeah, it's a UFO because it's X, Y, and Z. And then people would just get more questions so I could understand them not talking about it. However, were there some that, you know, was there a good little chunk of them, maybe genuine UFO? I don't know. I kind of also think that maybe I think that it could be true. And I'm I definitely think in terms of Lazar's experience, I could understand them finding like the technology. I just don't know if I believe the whole they actually had a child size alien or whatever. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I believe that part, but I could see the technology and the researching of whatever hustling come through. Yeah, I can see that. I think the increased UFO sightings can be explained by the U-2 testing as well. Mm -hmm. 
but I think there are aliens. I just, I'm still on the fence about whether or not they've come to Earth yet, but I definitely mm-hmm. think there are aliens in the world or in the universe because it's stupid to think that we're the only intelligent life forms in the whole entire universe. Now that's dumb. But yeah, so that's right. Maybe I'll have a more definitive answer after we're done with our little alien series. But as far as Area 51 on whole, I guess it's kind of like in my hands, the tinfoil hat. I do think they're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're doing stuff there that we aren't going to know about. And I, I guess I'm right. just, I could be swayed either way, I guess. I'm a little bit iffy. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's like in my hands and just the general projects, their work. I just, I just don't know what level they're at, you know? I, I think there's something, but I don't... I almost feel like we'll never know. I don't, well, not that we'll never know, but it's just... I feel like the theme of today's episodes, only time will tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it took how many years for them to unclassify things from Area 51? And we didn't exactly. even, they didn't even admit exactly. that it was even there until recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. Exactly. Fun fact, though. And Alina, I'm going to put you to the, although you probably drive to Las Vegas more than fly. Yeah. I learned that if you're ever at Las Vegas airport, keep an eye out for some small unmarked passenger planes in a fenced off area. They're how Area 51 employees get to work from their homes in Vegas. So literally everybody gets flown in and there's something like 1500 people who work there. So if you see any little planes and they won't have any markings on them, they're going to work in Area 51 so weird to think about you have it's such a city full of tourists you know mm. like all these people coming in and then meanwhile just like under plain sight these people are coming in and out yeah no i'm excited for this journey that we're about to embark you know like as we say we'll have you know future episodes kind of diving into all the different topics but this is only the beginning yeah so oh <laughs> Another cute little thing that I noticed when I was on Google Maps, sorry, this is a little tangent, but when I was on Google Maps, you know the little guy that you can pull onto Street View? Yeah. I wanted to pull him, obviously. And he turns, he gets a little UFO, he gets a little flying saucer when you're around there. Oh my God. (laughs) We love that for him. I couldn't place him anywhere, but <laughs> when you pull him out, he's in his little UFO. And I thought that was cute. Google, you got me. <laughs> that is really cute. At least they acknowledge yeah, They're you having know? fun with it. They're having fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great user experience. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, that completes our episode. If you have any suggestions for you know, alien sightings, you know, we will have a list as well, but let us know on Instagram and follow us at Bear Roots Pod, B-A-R-E. And we'd love to interact with you there and we'll be sure to get something going on these topics. So we'll see you guys next week on another episode. Bye. Bye. Alina, I'm going to need you to... I, I just shut it off. I stopped your phone. <laughs> I just did. I forgot my phone goes to my computer. Oh. I thought I did the sound. <laughs> oh. <laughs>